0: This is hardcore podcast. You just heard Without Peace, the track Thorn in My Side. This is coming out December 15th. Without Peace is a group from New Jersey. In fact, I think about almost about last year we had them play the Crow Mag Show at Underground Arts of Why Die, featuring Rupa Zimkis. Rupa's a young guy, incredible front person alongside longtime hardcore drummer, King Shot from Floor Punch, and uh, our friend Andrew Klein, who had been on the show, Andrew Strife and his record label, War Records, is putting this record out. It's going to be pretty fucking awesome. A lot of people keep saying these things. Well, when's the next record? You know, when's these bands going to be doing blah, blah, blah? And it's like, no. Here it is. You want to see some fast hardcore? Here the fuck goes. Rupa Zinkas, Shot War Records That's a triple threat in itself from New Jersey Awesome band live Check them out, record drops December 15th On War Records And I'll remind you in two weeks about it So, thank you uh, Before we get into the Sappy part I'd like to remind people that we still Have Philly Hardcore shows Coming up uh, The biggest one And kind to start Talking, Talk a little bit more about this Is we have two shows on this night First one is At the Zembo Temple of Skate and Design This is uh, Young Drayden Coming up in the Philly Hardcore Show's ranks On my deathbed ABQ Mosh <laughs> That's such Albuquerque Mosh um, Soledad which is Texas Metallic stuff seismic tosses from Philly and dysmorphia some more Texas shit this is um damn this is actually in the old neighborhood 2011 Amber Street number 2 Philadelphia PA 19125 December 9th cash only at the door 6pm bunch of death death or heavy metal shit courtesy of our boy Drayden um so check it the fuck out same night down to the big spot underground arts it's been a while. We got Angel Dust. Ugh. Angel Dust with Candy, Missing Link and Lucy. This is December 9th. Lots going on that day. Tickets are still available for Angel Dust. And following weekend, it's coming up soon. Tickets are going and we talk a little bit more about this event on the episode today, December 7th, 16th. Holiday Jam, H2O, Manball, E-Town Concrete, The Return of Crutch, 20 Years of Crutch, can't fucking believe they're back. Ill Bill, Fury of Five, Shattered Realm, Strength for Reason, Ages of Man, First Show Back, No Turning Back. They haven't played fucking the East Coast. They're from uh, Europe. Martine's doing a lot of big shit over there. Um, in fact, this weekend, he's got Cox Bar and a ton of bands. Incredible promoter, booking agent, still a hardcore dude doing his thing. Combust, Fool's Game, Risk, D-Block, Ends of Sanity, and Roll Life, Club Reverb. Not only is this a hardcore show, but it, we're going to have some tattooers there. Get, get your mom's name tattooed to heart, get some Santa shit, it's going to be cool. And as part of the podcast tonight, we will also be talking about the way that you can help people that you may never see with your own eyes by donating things to our guest, And we'll get into that shortly. Um, This is a hard time. In fact, this is coming out. Thanksgiving, you know, late night Thanksgiving. This is going to come out. And um, this is for everybody who looks at the internet and thinks, how come I don't have this? A lot of what's projected on that internet isn't real. It's what people are projecting to show the world. To say, see what I got? Things aren't, things aren't bad. Look at these things I can post. And I say it. And, it's, and for those who are going to eye roll, here he goes. going to say the same shit he says. But the truth remains to be repeated. Needs to be repeated, better yet to say. You'll never see a picture of an empty fridge. You'll never see the fights, the drama, the, the trauma that comes with these family events. You'll never see anybody post this shit. People post the W's They don't post the L's They don't tell you how hard it is And they project this air That everybody should have These perfect things Nothing in this world Is fucking perfect And few things remain perfect When they are So you gotta take advantage Of the things that you can be thankful for The things that keep you going in life And Even the lowest points of my life There was At least breath still in my lungs My feet were still good enough To pick me up So I can keep moving um, I have had Thanksgivings away from home I've had Thanksgivings where Even though I was in the city Things weren't good enough For me to be home And be with the family You know sometimes not every family Holiday is something you even want There's a lot to be said about these things And one person's Perfect idea of a holiday is not another's And as long as you Can get yourself up and move There's plenty of people who can't even do that. You know, There's a lot of moves you can still make before you start thinking about taking yourself off the board. And as someone who has contemplated and attempted suicide, I would say that the smartest thing to do is to remember the things that are going to keep you breathing. And remember that we're all in this together. Even if you're not the best friends with everybody and all these other things, people are in this world and would be shocked to see you go. And it's just one day. You know, the holidays are what you make of it. So make the best of it or move on and don't let it overwhelm you. For me, I'm thankful for the people that are in my life, in my circle, on my team. I'm also thankful for the people, these raggedy ass motherfuckers that say things not to my face, not, or maybe they go on the Reddit or something, but the people that aren't excited when things happen. And I know who they are And you know who they are And we all know who they are But guess what The wins are going to keep coming Whether or not the haters care And it's because of the people in my corner The people that have always supported The people who believe in what we do The people that trust that We're doing our best to keep this whole entire thing moving sweet In Philadelphia And just trying to help people out That it's easy to Knock a drug down into the dirt And fight with the pigs so to speak. Um, there's a lot of realizations as I get older that a smaller circle, I know a lot of people, but to tighten knit circles, sometimes you need more than one. And it's good to have people that may check you and say, hey, you know, you're fucking up right now. I'm lucky that I have these kind of people. You know, got this Bob Wilson, this Mike, that Kev, you know, this McHenry, there's a lot of them. A lot of people out there Making it sh- making me able to keep moving forward. And, I, and when I see my dudes win, it gets me so excited. When I see my people doing the right thing, make, making the right decisions, it means the people that I've surrounded myself with are the caliber of humans that are going to keep me moving in a positive area. Um, and it's something that comes with the, the ancient ideas of... of <laughs> The, the Masons, one of the things we say all the time and I said it a couple of times is you have to place yourself in the proper position to receive further instructions. So when your life's awry, things are askew, things aren't running on full blast, you're not going to be able to do the best that you can because you're not in the proper position. Sometimes it's gonna take a lot of moves to get back to where you need to be in that proper position to move forward. You know, game of life's tricky like that. But don't take yourself out of it, and don't take yourself as someone who can't get ahead. So many people come to the country known as United States of America with nothing, not even the language, not even the native language, and in Less than a decade or so they're ahead. And yet people who have lived here Born here native to the language native to the area Families friends All of these social networks around They manage to not be able to move forward Because the confines Of their own optics Eliminate the possibilities Because to them they don't see them Where so many people Still come to this place Still love it for its freedom And opportunities that it shows you that perspective is everything. Sometimes maybe the perspective change is what's needed to move forward. I'm also thankful for people like George Pluck. He's not only a friend, he's a listener, but he's a guy who's literally from the from the neighborhood that my both sides of my family were from here. You know, when I wrote the. The title for the Shadow Realm record. From the dead end blocks where life means nothing. He knows the block. He sat on the block. And he almost died on them blocks. You know. For all the kids in Philly. Who went to sleep. And could hear the L in the background. Or maybe. They saw the shadow of the train. Over their house. You know they grew up. Close to. What they call zombie land now Now it's like a feature every 10 minutes on every show You know they know people who've been down there Maybe they should be trapped in there on their self Or maybe it's the boogeyman Never want to be down there Don't get your stuff stuck down there You know for them I say I'm thankful I'm thankful to know that I'm not the only person That is still breathing And still pushing forward And hoping to never get stuck down there Even though they gentrify it Now they're swore in 500,000 homes A block from where they sell death every day. The fact that we're breathing. The fact that we're moving forward. The fact that we can take care of ourselves. And we're not like blah, blah, blah who's in our family. Or blah, blah, blah's cousin. It shows that there's progress. And and, you know, for Georgie, you know. He took a different path. So you know what? He, He met us a little bit later than he should have. But he's out there. And he's still kicking ass. He's raising... An amazing daughter, she's an academic scholar He's turned his entire life around Union Man And I'm thankful to hear these stories Because I grew up with a chip on my shoulder Like this place is nothing, nothing good comes from this place But that's a perspective bias And really anyone can push forward Anyone with the right attitude, perspective And understanding of what's capable If you just make these little error decisions Can move forward And so uh, God bless all you guys who came from this world. And, you know, there's a ton of people who didn't grow up in this city who had their own struggles, and, I, and I'm proud and thankful for them as well. Together, when we're all when we're all sharing these fun times, but we know we came from some real fucked up shit, it's a beautiful thing to see these people still breathing because he you knows they survive and can survive, and that means that someone like me can survive. Thankful for everything I got and everything I don't got is shit I probably don't need in the first place. Thank you for the people who listen and are like, ah, Joe's on that bullshit. He didn't put that episode out. My bad. I'm back. You know, we're back. Um, Things at work are a little bit lighter. I'm going to hang out with our boy G and maybe even P this weekend. It's going to be a good time. Love you all. I hope you guys have a great fucking holiday. And if you didn't have a holiday, remember it's one fucking day. And the next day you still got to get up, put your shoes on to make some shit happen. So don't let one day change everything for you. I am I am not far away. You can always reach out to me if things are getting ugly. All right? So, moving on to our guest. This kind of gets into the the other side of the things. I've known Lila for a very long time. Lady Lila is now active on 98 Rock in Baltimore. She also still does high-voltage radio. And most importantly, and why she's uh, a guest tonight is... During the Keystone Jam, she's going to be hosting the Spread the Warmth with our friend Chris Brickhouse. who used to run PA Hardcore. He now runs the BDA Outreach, which is Better Days Ahead. He does a homeless outreach group that operates from Phoenixville to Philadelphia. Does a lot of really cool shit. She's super active in her Be Blessed not-for-profit And together, they are going to be accepting sleeping bags, tents, tarps, backpacks, warm clothes, winter coats, gloves, hats, scarves, hand warmers, and a ton of other things. Uh, All the links that I have talked to her about are going to be on the podcast notes, TIHC podcast. And for years, we used to do these kind of things. We talk about a little bit on the episode, so I'm not going to just recite myself now. But... To see someone in the midst of an awesome hardcore time, yeah, she's always been a part of these shows, but to see her take the time to pull all this together and put this into people's hands she's never met before so they have a little bit of a better life, start her own nonprofit. All this great shit is badass. It's super fucking DIY and true to the hardcore spirit. And tying it into the Keystone Hardcore Jam coming up in a few weeks, It was just awesome to have her on the show. She's a longtime friend, and I love her. And let's fucking go. Today's guest is not only a very long friend of mine, but someone who is consistently just becoming a powerhouse, not only in the the way of this radio stuff that she's got on, but taking what was once a hobby into the full nonprofit realm. And as a lifelong hardcore person, From the northeast and several different major areas Not only she's kept her finger on the pulse And been someone who is nearly ubiquitous Throughout the last 20 years Is also someone who is a big part of our upcoming Keystone Jam With the, uh, I actually want to get the right term Spread the warmth Which is her way of asking the attendees To try to help out people who may be less fortunate And uh, we're going to go into all the details, but essentially it's through her nonprofit that she's going to be collecting things at the fest. So she may be able to disperse them for people that need. And it's a real key component of holiday jam that we think of other people. And we think of this thing, not just as a cool show, but a way that people can get around each other, especially so close at holidays when sometimes people don't always have the best of family. So Lila. Thank you for coming on the show and thank you for all the good that you're putting into this world.
1: Thank you so much. Well, I'm like, I don't know if you're trying to make me cry right there or not, but uh, (laughs) um, thank you. I'm really excited to be on the show to be able to talk about the things we have going on, things I hope to develop with, uh, you know, continuing in my nonprofit and the things I hope to continue to grow in hardcore. So I'm excited for the show. Thanks for having me.
0: No, this is uh, like when you said you had the idea, I said, you know, as long as we had an idea of like how you were going to implement it, the hardest thing for yeah. me, I'm a, I used to have a really big hand in the local Freemason lodge, and I was in the charity committee, and we would collect coloring books, and we would just have boxes of books because shows are on the weekend, so your whole house is now covered, yeah, and you got to go drop them off during the week. It was like the collective process, the collection process sounds like a great idea. We we're to collect all this shit, but then it's like. That's why I asked you, do you have somewhere to put all this? Like this could, this could could, could, get, this could get really out of control. You know,
1: when I lived, um, when I lived in Massachusetts and started, um, started collecting items, even then when I lived in Baltimore and continued doing it, I found that I honestly need my own little space because what happens is people find out and they're like, okay, I can give, I can give, I can give. And I ended up having to make sure that I either have a spare room or I have a storage unit because people end up giving me things and I might not necessarily have someone in need at that current moment for them. And if I can't find somebody at that current moment, I don't want to lose the opportunity to give that to somebody. So I hold on to it. And especially when making like the blessing bags that I make for the nonprofit, um, I just need extra space. So when you said, I hope you have it, I was like, trust me, we got more than enough space because I've been doing, you know, in doing this, I realized I need its own little designated area because people are generous and they will give to you if you, you know, if you ask. But I've always made sure that I'm like, proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. So I make sure I'm properly
0: prepared in those type of situations. <laughs> I, I still to this day use the six Ps to younger people in the concrete job. So I love that you just quoted that.
1: Can you pause for one second? Because Absolutely. This. In life, we should have a wall that brings us inspiration.
0: There it is. There it is. Yeah. The six P's.
1: Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Without it, you'll get nowhere. Desire, dedication, determination uh, are the four, are, excuse me, and dedication are the four D's that will get you through life. And they're your two C's. If you're not choosing it, if you're not changing it, you're choosing it. If you live by those three little things, there's they, they will take you to great places. So. At least in my mind, at least for me, those are the things that I constantly remind myself, like you need the four D's, you need the six P's, and you have to have the two C's. If you don't, you're not going to succeed in whatever you're attempting to do.
0: I Obviously, I touched on it a little bit, but for those listening, I want to get a little background on my dear friend Lila and how she went from A young child and what music got her to come into the hardcore world and what what got her to the point where now she's such a giving and thoughtful individual
1: you want background from me oh my
0: absolutely
1: so um let's see when i was growing
0: up in baltimore i that's where um, your that's where your family started you out was in baltimore I started out in Baltimore. I grew up in Baltimore, and um, in the city, pro- or just like outside, in one outside.
1: Area. I grew up in Essex. I grew up yeah. in a. Key, I grew up in a key component of Baltimore, um, especially for hardcore. Um, <laughs> I like to say, I guess I was blessed to be born in the right place because all of my friends um, in my teenage years, you know, when I was younger uh, in middle school and whatnot, I started going to shows. But I was more, you know, I had a little bouncing soul, and I was going around to you know less than jake blink 182 things like that and um my best friend jacob henry who i forced my friendship upon no joke he was this he sat by himself on the bus he didn't want to be around people and i just saw this guy and said you're going to be my friend and uh he took me to my first hardcore show he knew i went to shows he knew i hung out with um a couple of his friends and asked me if I wanted to go to my first show and I said sure and I went to go see Bad Luck 13 at Cafe Tattoo. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> oh my god, and that was a crazy show.
1: <laughs> it was absolutely insane. <laughs> I was in the back and I just remember people throwing things and the for for lesson for I can't speak fluorescent lights, people were smashing them, fireworks were going off, the, the
0: dartboard whole- got thrown.
1: Oh my god, the whole place was just <laughs> like chaotic and insane but for whatever reason the chaos inside of me said oh this is de- this is where i need to be this is what like a- what age
0: were you at when that happened do you remember
1: 15 i think Excellent. so i was in high school and i was like try- now i have to go back in the files of my mind i'm pretty sure i was 15 at that point because we weren't old enough to get into bars. We had to have, you know, all ages shows and whatnot, which is hilarious to me to think back now that Bad Luck 13 at Cafe Tattoo was an all ages show. But it was, thankfully, um, and that that's just where it started. So I remember going to that show and my friend Justice Tripp, uh, he's like fam- my family as well, but I knew he was in a band and never knew never went and saw that band and then he started talking to me about music and then i went with jacob to this and it just kind of just spiraled into one thing after another and i was lucky to be surrounded by guys who would they made me cds constantly and i learned about hardcore really through justice and jacob because justice used to burn me cds all the time and My um, high school boyfriend, shout out Brandon Winter, he used to burn me CDs. So I was constantly learning about music I hadn't heard of or different bands because of the guys that made CDs for me. That's awesome. And then let's see like it started there and then I literally just kind of fell in love with hardcore because it felt like the first place where. Like the idiosyncrasies of myself made sense, and I didn't feel like being as wild as I wanted to be was a bad thing. Anywhere else in life, it's like it was quiet down. Don't do this. Don't act like that. I went to hardcore, and it was like be as insane as you want to be. And so I was as insane as I wanted to be. And uh, it it's take. I love it. I don't know what I'm like. I could talk about hardcore forever because it's taken me so many wonderful places in my life. Um, it's music that I can turn to no matter what, uh, whether I'm feeling happy, sad, mad, angry, if I want to kill somebody, if I want to fall in love, if I want to fall out of love, there's music for it inside of hardcore. So shout out to Jacob Henry for taking me to see a bad
0: Thirteen all those years ago. There's always one person who leads you down the rabbit hole and Mm -hmm. hundreds of episodes so far. We always try to find that one person. That pulls you down the rabbit hole And then it's so hard to get out And some people never do Now because of the fact that you were just uh, So gung-ho You eventually ended up As a huge part of a completely Other hardcore scene at Boston
1: So um, I In my my whole life I have always been into acting um, But that even stems Into my nonprofit because the reason I always wanted to be an actor um, I always wanted to do music or acting or comedy But it was so that I could make money but make enough money to help other people And my little kid brain was like they make so much money. I could help as many people as I wanted So in my 20s, I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and continue down our journey with um Acting, and I went to a conservatory in um, New York. And when I lived in New York, I would go to shows. But I lived there very briefly. But in the time I was going to shows, I had met um, a lot of guys from Massachusetts, mainly the guys in On Broken Wings. They used to come and stay at my house all the time when they were on the road. Like at this point, if you ask them, they will tell you that Baltimore, my my house, was their home base. Anytime. They traveled this way because if they were playing a show in PA or they were playing in Maryland or they were playing in Virginia, my house was the central point. And because of my friendship with them, I would start going to shows at none other than the Tiger's Den. Um, the so world-renowned Tiger's Den. Yeah, world-renowned Tiger's Den. If you don't know, if you know, you know. If not, you weren't there. That's all I can say. Um but i started going to shows there and meeting people there and that's where uh i found a second home in hardcore most definitely
0: the cool parallels to all these things is that you don't have to relearn anything when you move in fact no. you just you just pick up you pick up the new essential like okay in this area the people dance different or this area <laughs> these are the local bands that people really like you know, you can't. You got to. They're almost sacrosanct. So having the opportunity to live in two separate places is kind of an awesome thing because you get to see the same hardcore culture, but in different perspective. But, oh, most
1: definitely. And I feel like, at least with me and living in different areas, you you see the similarities and the differences. Um, but you also like there's different styles of music, like different style of hardcore, different style of dance. But at the heart of all of it, we're all just, you know, fucked up little individuals having fun. Yeah. The main thing I remember about um, moving to Massachusetts, the biggest difference for me when I moved there um, was definitely women in hardcore. So living in Baltimore, I felt like one of the only girls who actually, like, I don't want to say got it, but I loved the music and it led me to, you know, singing along and dancing and having a good time. I'm, you know, 38 years old and I'll still throw my body off the stage when the spirit moves me. And um, I went to Massachusetts and I just met women that were so much like me. When I lived in Baltimore, um, obviously I knew like Carissa and Crystal uh, from Philadelphia and from PA. But living in Baltimore, I really felt like one of the only women who were, you know, out there doing it with the guys and you know not caring necessarily uh, whether or not I was going to get hurt or anything like that but moving to Massachusetts it was just this community of women inside of hardcore that are super welcoming and I found it very easy to transition because of all of the women that were there with open arms waiting for me and it's not really waiting for me but like waiting for me and I loved it.
0: No, I think serendipity plays a lot into it. You know, like it is hard when you're from a scene where the women aren't really upfront and active. So mm-hmm. to go to Boston and and especially South Shore and all the different people, there was a, there's a always been a heavy culture of women involved in the area.
1: Oh, most definitely. And I just want to uh, shout out real quick, South Shore, Best Shore. That's all. South Shore hardcore. Girl.
0: Um,
1: those girls there, like Julie Silva, she. One of my best friends still to this day, super always active and hardcore. Same with uh, Allison Sullivan Harris. She's my bestie right
0: there. Allison.
1: Bestie forever. No, like can't top her. She's one of the best. But those two most definitely were just two people that grabbed a hold of me. And we, you know, they were super active and hardcore, going to shows, supporting, booking shows, doing things like that. And so gravitating towards them just seemed like the perfect fit
0: now to my recollection this is kind of like at the point where the beginning of an idea of a collection bag system started of coming out or did that did that thing have like uh roots earlier than that
1: so initially um it was just something that i wanted to do as far as uh i'm going to put it this way i spent a lot of time being insane and uh, not helpful towards my community. And I just got to a point where I realized that I wanted to get back to who I was and back to things that I actually cared about and helping other people is something that I've always cared about. And I had somebody one day, um, fall like pass out on a train and I was riding on this train and I started freaking out and I'm like somebody help them somebody help them someone do something and this woman looked me deadpan in the face and goes you fucking help them and it just stuck with me because you can scream for help for other people all you want but if you're not doing it yourself no one else is going to help you so I saw a need when I was going into a CVS when I lived in Boston and a woman asked me if I would buy her some tampons and it kind of broke my heart because she didn't want to go steal them and she had no money to buy them but needed them and I obviously I went in I bought her a bunch of stuff and I came out and I just realized then and there that you know if I actually wanted to do something to help other people this might be a place to do that because you don't stop to think You know, people living on the street, you know that they're living on the street, but you don't stop to think of those like basic everyday necessities that we take for granted. And sometimes pads and tampons are those basic necessities that are taken for granted. And, you know, showering, having clean clothing and things like that can be taken for granted at times. And so that's where it all started for me, that one woman. And I just thought, you know, let's do something to help others. And I started collecting toiletries and I started collecting feminine hygiene products and just putting together these little blessing bags. Um, the name developed it with time, obviously, but it's, you know, feminine care products and we have shampoo, conditioner, body wash, um, combs, chapstick, things like that. If people donate, um, I started having people donate, you know, stop and shop gift cards or uh, food store gift cards so people can, you know have ten dollars to go buy food. Um and when I was handing those out at homeless shelters, I would have more men come up to me and ask me, "Oh, do you have anything for me? Do you have a bag for me?" Because obviously men still have these needs as well. So I took it from just being bags for women and made them, you know, for men and for women because I I want everyone to feel included. I don't want ever for anybody to feel like, you know, something you know, not good enough or not included. So I expanded it to make sure that men and women both were. And that's where the bit you know the blessing bags came from. Um I was doing it on my own. I had a lot of help from people. Uh, they would reach out to me to ask to help me do stuff. And then it kind of snowballed a little bit, um, after I had moved to Pennsylvania, my girlfriend, in York, Pennsylvania, I, I moved to York, Pennsylvania and thought that I was going to go mentally insane because there's absolutely nothing going on in York, Pennsylvania. Um, I was living in like the country
0: of York, Pennsylvania. Um, and my girlfriend, Which is the second biggest fan base for the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> if you, it, once you go over the bridge
1: from York into Lancaster, you're leaving uh Ravens country and you're going into Eagles country. It's yeah. that that bridge separates the teams.
0: I try to explain that to people when we're working out there because like, why are why, what's all this Ravens going on? I'm like. It's closer to Baltimore than Philly.
1: It's closer. Exactly. It's closer to Baltimore. And then when you end up in Lancaster, it's a melting pot of Ravens, Steelers, and Eagles.
0: And beautiful Amish people with amazing, fattening, awesome dishes. Oh, my God. The best food you'll ever
1: eat in your life. I honestly, the other day, I was at the market the other day eating a giant pretzel. And I said out loud, I love the Pennsylvania Dutch.
0: You know that they're actually uh, German, so they mess the words up. People say, Oh, there are a lot of Dutch out there. It's like, No, it's Deutsch. You're but Right. I, people.
1: I learned that like a week ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's German.
1: No bullshit. I really, uh, I learned a week ago that it's nothing is Dutch about it in any way, it's completely German. So
0: I've lived here for three years and just learned this. <laughs> So when you're in York, like, Pennsylvania, you kind are, you of, in York, Pennsylvania, you know, you turned a new leaf just in doing this, but you started being a part of radio or were you doing radio elsewhere? And then you really picked it up. Like when did the radio facet come into your life?
1: Radio came into my life when I was living in Boston. Um, I, my mother, my whole entire life has said to me, you should be a DJ. You should be a DJ because anytime we would listen to music, I would quiz her and say, what band was this guy in before he was in this band who wrote this song who did this and I would quiz my mom on these You know music going different music. I was never allowed to listen to radio as a kid I could only listen to classic rock or christian music. And so obviously I went with classic rock Uh, so I always was quizzing my mom on stuff in my whole life Be a dj and you never listen to your parents. So i'm like shut up mom and then one day I said I should be a DJ. Uh I heard these people on the radio and I hate to say this but I was listening to the radio and I thought if this person can be on the radio I can be on the radio. Absolutely. So I started just looking at schools where I could go to you know where I could go what was the easiest what was you know most financially responsible for me because I had already gone to an acting conservatory and it was Needless to say, a waste of money. And I didn't want to waste my money this time. So I went to, um, I fast-tracked going to school. I wasn't going to go to a four-year college. And I just went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Excellent. They taught me everything I needed to know. But I love when
0: you drive through 76 and you actually see them up on the hill. Oh,
1: dude, I, I get mixed reviews. I've heard that they're a waste i heard that they're wonderful but the biggest thing that they taught in school was you will make it if you are passionate about this that's, that's it right. and i am like i love music i'm passionate about it and i've just always kind of you know i didn't re- i didn't really put my head down and just work at it i went to school i learned everything that they taught me i just absorbed i still have my books to go back and review if i need to And I constantly am just a sponge for knowledge when it comes to, at this point in my life, anything. If I can learn from you, I will reach out to you and learn from you. If you are already doing it um, and can show me how to, I will reach out to you and be like, show me, teach me. Because knowledge is power. There is no knowledge that is not power. And so I'm constantly learning. And when I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, I took on as much as I could, I learned as much as I could and when I got out of school I was serendipity going down the road and heard um, a radio station I had never heard before on my way to Thanksgiving dinner and said to myself, I could be on this station. So I went home, I sent them my show which was at the time in development called High Voltage. Uh, I was on my school station for Connecticut School of Broadcasting, and then I sent it all to them. They loved it. My producer, Lisa, who I still work with, said, we would love to have you on the show. And I got a Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday live show on WRPS. But when I decided to move from Boston to Pennsylvania, they didn't want me to leave. So they worked with me and we were able to figure everything out and do it remotely. But I was only on air in Boston for about a year. And it really was when I moved to York that I was able to kind of develop more. I had more time on my hands since moving. And I was able to develop more into the show, things I wanted to do, ideas that I had. Um, So High Voltage really got life in York, Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah, you have an Instagram port and it's still Mm -hmm. heavily, heavily hardcore centered. Even yeah. we cover way beyond that, and I always put links and all this stuff. But you are on Thursday night at nine p.m., Friday at one p.m. on 83, 88.3 FM, which is so cool to and say you're is- on a radio show and not like just like a podcast. Like this thing is so fucking badass because there's like a there's like a, a like a real like yeah someone has to go to that dial right at the time, so they're gonna dedicate that, and that's it's- so fucking cool to me. It's it's fucking super cool.
1: Oh, I, abs- I absolutely love it. So we're on, I'm live on Wednesdays and I do total requests live on Wednesday. So people request in and if I'll play anything, as long as it fits in our genre. And what I love about it is I have so many local listeners on the South Shore that love hardcore. When I started that show, we we were just flooded with people sending in text messages about like not only requesting songs, but how excited they were to hear music. And I'll never forget. There's a guy named Al. He's a mailman and I played wisdom and chains and he sent me this giant text into the station about how he never thought in a million years, he would turn on the radio and be able to listen to music that he's loved and listened to all his life. And he was, you know he still tunes in and sends in texts, but it's things like that getting those kind of text messages that make me feel like okay i am doing something that people want to listen to and i am doing things that you know bring hardcore to light but we're on wednesdays uh live at one thursday is fast and loud so i play more punk more hardcore more metal on that show the wednesday show is during the day so i kind of keep it lighter. Uh, and then Friday is a feature I developed over COVID. And um I really thought that it would be better because I wanted to bring bands on that were more new that people didn't know about and talk about bands you might not have heard of, give you a little history about them and just play their music. In doing all of that and developing that Friday segment, I realized that There aren't that many new bands that care about that kind of exposure. I thought there would be, but it is so hard to connect with bands and get them to send in questionnaires to answer this, that I went in a different direction in a sense. And I just started going back and doing bands like the Ramones and the Clash. And Uh, you know, people I could find history on more readily accessible. All of the hardcore bands that I have done full features on are all people who I reached out to and they sent me their information. But that whole segment is more of a history lesson. And it's something I love doing because not only am I getting education on it, I'm giving people, you know, an hour long history lesson on a band they might not know about.
0: I hate to be rude here, but this is the problem with these fucking bands is everybody wants to be known and in in a promoter's dms their paltry requests to jump on shows Mm -hmm. go unanswered yeah here you are trying to give them an audience and they're too fucking lazy because they don't see the value in the smallest things and it is stuff like that like there was this moment we're driving it was like a Friday night and we just had the radio on I'm like you know what fuck music let's just put the radio on And I'll never forget it because it was this guy And you know like I think Friday night in Philadelphia in the summer Might be just be like Like the, the time where hell and a whole portal opens up Of psychos especially in the beginning of when it starts being warm out I'm like I'm-
1: depending on depending on what day of the week it is And what moon the moon cycle is Probably the most insanity possible
0: So this guy calls on the radio show, and I'm like, I can't believe there's still guys calling, like, regular – like, he's like, you know what I want to hear, brother? I need me some fucking Pantera. (laughs) And we're like, yo, there's Spotify. Like, there's still people that want to go to the radio. I have people
1: call in all the time um, at 98 Rock, and they call in their requests. It's –
0: people – They're never deep dives either. They're always – there are always things that they could get, like literally hear on Spotify
1: mm-hmm. uh but no I I agree with you completely because I I kind of was taken back by it in all honesty I thought that bands would want you know I'm sending you an email saying I have a radio show I would love to feature your band I it's just you know 10 questions a little bit of history the whole show is about your band and I would send these out and I would either see them if I send it through Instagram, I would see bands read this and just ignore me. Or I would have people gung ho. Yeah, of course, we would love that. Never get back to me. I send a follow up email, never get back to me or people who actually give a shit and, you know, send you back the information right away. And I actually can develop really good shows around that. The. Is. When you realize that newer bands don't have enough music to fit into an hour-long show, I started doing double features. So it was, for me, something really cool because I'm able to feature two different bands at one time. You're getting a history lesson and you're learning about two different bands. Um, But again, it fell back on people not, not giving a shit. So I just took it as... I'm going to continue. I'll send out these emails. When people get back to me, I'll do a new feature on a new band. But until then, I had people sending in requests. And that's when I knew people liked listening to the Friday shows because I was getting requests for history lessons on different bands. And as soon as that started, I said, send whatever it in and I will do whatever band you want to hear. I'll do a history lesson on them. And it, it snowballed from there. I think at this point I've done 60 different bands, and they're all up on our sound on my SoundCloud so people can go back and listen to them
0: again. I'll get the link from you, we'll have this on the episode so that Perfect. way you guys can check this out. Lyle, how did you end up dealing with 98 Rock? So, um, all things happen for a reason, and
1: in 2020, I moved to Baltimore and I was, I just said to myself, I had a feeling. I'm going to be on 98 rock. I abruptly just shut my life in Pennsylvania off. I moved to Baltimore and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit everybody that I had been talking to at that station, obviously they're not working and it kind of fell apart in 2020. But then when I moved back to Pennsylvania, um, A friend of mine actually said, I don't know if you saw this, but 98 Rocks Hiring. And I immediately went to their website, looked up what they needed, and I came home. I made a demo specifically for them. I sent it in and they called me the next day. And I went and interviewed with them. My boss, Rick, was head over heels. Uh, He said, I haven't heard a demo like that in forever. We want to get you in here as soon as possible. And I was going to a festival. Oh, I was going to Sound and Fury. (laughs) So I went to Sound and Fury. And when I got back from Sound and Fury, I started on 98 Rock. And I absolutely love it. Um, Run down what you do there. I'm on air on the weekend. So I'm an on air personality there on the weekends. And I talk about music. I talk about sports. And every opportunity I get, I bring I tried to talk about hardcore in one way or another. Trust me, I have. I've been working for a year on getting high voltage on 98 rock. And if I can't get high voltage on, I'm trying to get some sort of hour long show where I play hardcore or at least something that's not mainstream hard rock. Um, I always am talking about. Anytime I play Twisted Sister, I talk about Death Before Dishonor because D. Schneider is a Death Before Dishonor fan. Super (laughs) fan. He is. Like, 100% he is. So I use that to, you know, filter hardcore into the radio because you have people who are so used to just listening to rock radio. They don't, they're not on SiriusXM. They're not on Spotify. They're not on you know, anything but 98 Rock. So they're not really opening themselves up to other avenues of music. So me being on 98 Rock is the easiest way to promote end it and talk about my friends' bands or shows coming up or things going on, you know, in any way possible. If you think for one second that I'm not gonna get on the radio on December 3rd and talk about being on this podcast and where they can find this podcast, you're wrong. I'm going to promote whatever I can on the radio station to bring more people into better in my opinion better music
0: now it's awesome you're infiltrating the system in a lot of ways also i mean we could go all the way back in the early in the early part of the 80s there was a ny uh radio show where people would record every single episode like mike judd said there was a spot Mm -hmm. in his field he could listen and hear it so you're now a part Of a group of hardcore people that tried to promote hardcore through the actual radio Mm -hmm. The only radio shows I've ever done were local here And also I've done WSOU uh, twice now in the last 20 years And it's, it's fleeting, but there was a moment when I was younger Where WSOU gave out tickets for big shows So to this day, This Is Hardcore still gives away tickets for free Mm-hmm. One WSOU and people are like, Oh, I didn't even know you could get it. And it's like, well, why not? It's a radio show. It's a college school. Why I'm not, not doing
1: no bullshit. I think it What what year did saves the day play? This is hardcore
0: 19 or yeah, 19.
1: So I'm driving around in Philadelphia, I hear them talking about, uh, I was driving from New York back to York and, um, I heard them talking about this is hardcore and how saves the day was about to play and this and that. And they were talking, you know, how, how was this, you know, saves the day. This is hardcore, blah, blah, blah. And I called into the station to be like, if you don't know the basis of how saves the day relates to hardcore, you need to do your history before talking about it on a show. (laughs) And, um, and, I'll never forget it because I remember being like, oh my God, they're talking about This is Hardcore on the radio.
0: So every or- Friday, every Friday before This is Hardcore, one of the greats at Philadelphia Radio rec- uh, recites every rock show that's happening on the weekend. Oh, and yeah. I, I had an that I had an MP3 file for years where he'd say... We've got this is hardcore at the Electric Factory, and he would start laughing at some of the names, <laughs> like oh his name was Pierre Robert, he's a legendary Philadelphia classic I, rock and longtime DJ. No,
1: I know, I know exactly.
0: But it was so awesome the first out. time I heard Pierre Robert talk about this is hardcore. And I'm like, we fucking made it, Pierre right? Robert, baby. <laughs> you're like, we're fucking big time. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking <laughs> awesome.
1: I love that. No, but I um. I just find you know you, there is a lot of good music still on the radio there's a lot of bands I learn about uh through work but I just feel like there's so much there's so much need for it and I get asked constantly when are you going to play better music on 98 rock and I tell people all the time I'm working on it I just give me some time but the more I can bring in our you know The more I can bring in and expose, the more I want to, just because there are bands that deserve that recognition because there are bands out there right now that are doing it that kind of don't really have an, I don't want to say an affiliation with hardcore because obviously there's some affiliation, but it's like, there's some bands that are being made specifically just to become famous. And it's like, okay, well, if you like that band, you're gonna love this band because they actually are have roots in this music and know what's going on in this music. So if I can facilitate people finding out about better music through the radio, I'm gonna do that.
0: No, it's absolutely fucking awesome. Um going all the way back way back, I never gonna say it, the thing that I learned doing a we did through broad street ministries. When we, that was a place where we did shows on um, in Philadelphia. So we helped them for their homeless drive. The thing that they actually needed the most was exactly what you talked about. It was the feminine care products, yeah. It was the simple, very simple things you wouldn't think about. Like the stuff that anybody who had a house and a job could just walk to the store and buy. Yeah. Or in the or in the highest demand. For shelters and for the homeless People and it's incredible Because in my head I was like We gotta get jackets and it's like no they need The most and it it shows You just How the the Gap between when you're able to have Things go to the store and buy something And when you're not even able to do That so the the fact that you Learned it too was also interesting Because it kind of fucked me up Like you know like and obviously I'm not a Girl so like when when the guy when Liam was explaining, like oh, Tamtons are in huge demand. Like if you can make a yeah. big like if you have to cut off stuff out of the flyer, make sure that and I'm like it just it's, it blew my mind just how it's just one how of far the biggest we are between them.
1: It's one of the biggest resources that get neglected, in my opinion, because like I said earlier, they are everyday common things that we take for granted because you, they're readily accessible to us. But when you're unhoused, you don't have a little area to keep your, you know, you don't have a shower to keep your shampoo and conditioner and soap in. You don't have a bathroom to have your toiletries in. So they're not, you know, they're not necessarily things that people are always, you know, having with them, but making these little blessing bags, they're just these reusable bags. And I give them, you know, enough that, it's good for a month and then the next month I make sure that we go back and I can refill the bags. Um, I don't want people to feel like they're not good enough and having a place to bathe and clean and feel better about yourself, it goes a long way in helping somebody feel loved and feel appreciated and feel worthy. So, You know, you feel better when you look better, and if you don't have those little things that just you know make you feel better about yourself, you you have this mindset that you're not good enough or not whatever. And then a lot when it comes to unhoused people, they're dealing with mental illness. So you're already dealing with a mental illness, and then you're going to pile on these other things. So the smallest thing can change a person's outlook so if i can put together a little bag that says here i hope this makes you feel better i hope you can you know bathe and feel clean and feel happy and they can help you then why not do it it's something so simple and so small but makes such a big difference in the lives of people that need these items
0: i think that it's something that is taken for granted because we're all stuck in this role where it's get up, go to work, come home. We're tasked with the stuff that right. is present in front of us. So mm-hmm. these things kind of get left out. And it does come around these times where people like you are really focusing on those who really don't. And and it, it coincides and overlaps with what I've been saying the last couple of years. This hardcore, or not this hardcore, Keystone Jam 2019 Steve Patashio was a Philly kid. He was moshing in a Santa outfit. Mm-hmm. COVID hit and he took his own life. And Ooh. I directly relate this to not having the outlet of the friendship that the community yeah. gave us. And when we got back on track in 2021, Richie, Chris and I were talking about it. And I said, I'm going to bring this up every time. But we are in a, in a scene where people may not have the best family relationship. People may not have family at all. So right. the keyst- to the holiday, the Keystone Holiday Jam, for some, is their is their family holiday. Right. And that's people have and people said that to me at the show, a, like a reunion. And so, bringing you into this, obviously, you are reaching out. It just it's awesome because these are the other things that we need to start putting into the community. Is like, hey, with that power of well over five hundred. I mean, last year we had nearly a thousand people in the room. Right. We can do a lot of good collectively for a most, community that's not just ours. It's awesome that you're taking it on to do that.
1: And the thing is, if the way I look at it is this, even if you bring one item, if we have 500 people show up and they bring one item, you have 500 things you can hand out to people, you know, and, and I'm not asking people for it. You, you don't have to go out and buy brand new items. If you want to, that's absolutely amazing. Um, but if you have things we're collecting warm clothes and blankets and different things there's a whole list that i have up but if you have an extra jacket you don't wear and it's in decent condition bring it because that jacket that you're not using can go to somebody to keep them warm you know where you're when we're wondering what we're going to buy people for christmas other people are wondering how they're going to survive the night and keep warm for the night and have food in their stomach you know today So these little items that we can bring go a long way. And I just felt like the reason I reached out initially when I did it two years ago was I'm going to have so many people, not me, obviously, the show is going to have so many people coming in at the same place. Why not use that as an opportunity to bring in items? Why not use that as an opportunity to... Talk about my nonprofit to educate people and to collect items so that not only are people learning about what I'm doing, they're also learning how they can help other people. I always talk about whenever I'm talking about what I'm doing with my nonprofit, it is not because I'm like, look what I'm doing. It's look what I'm doing. You can do it too.
0: No, I think, and that's collectively important because there are people that probably always want to do things that are good, but it they don't seems know where daunting. Start. They it seems daunting to create a non not for profit, not for profit. Whereas all you have to do is a simple thing. Go to the store. Mm-hmm. You know, you could spend, I mean, you could go to any, I mean, the the dollar store is unfortunately now a dollar twenty five, yep. but you can still go to the dollar store, spend ten dollars, and you're gonna change at least ten people's lives.
1: So the Dollar Tree by My House knows me by name. Um, and they sent me their corporate <laughs> link because I go in there and I buy stuff and bulk to the point where they were, they said, you clear us out. So instead, here's a link Buy everything here that you need. That way we can send it to the store or we'll send it to you. But because I go to the dollar store so much to get items, they, you know, you get your most bang for your buck, even when going online and looking up stuff the dollar
0: store crushes it. No, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing for people to understand the simple impact that you're going to be able to bring to bear because they think, well, what can I do? Right. You know, like, or I don't even have that much. And it's like, you probably have enough change in your car to change one. And I, and honestly, like I said, I've said it (laughs) When, when we used to do, we did, we've done coloring book drives for the, we had a women's shelter. And we would do things for the women's shelter. We did color and book rides with the kids. We did so many different things. And I just got caught up in like, where the fuck am I going to put all this? Yeah. And then um, as the Freemasonry stuff changed a lot, um, we shifted not away from it, but just not as active. I stopped mm-hmm. being as involved. And I and I find that I miss the idea of just going and giving. And and it was a huge part of what we did. You know, um, right. I, I sat on the charity committee. Where we would find families or people would write and say hey this is a family and I know them well and they're going through hard times and we would all you'd see men of all ages get up and say yeah let's send them some money to give them help or let's make sure they have a turkey dinner and it's these small things that you see being done to complete strangers that kind of gives you a little bit of warmth that the world isn't completely falling apart you know.
1: We definitely live in a society where, uh, the negative is always pushed into
0: your, you know, everyday
1: life, anything you're looking at, whether it's your phone, your TV, your computer, negative is what pops up before anything else. Uh, so I would rather be pushing the message of positivity and love because look me, Lila, the one individual, individual, I'm not going to bring about world fucking peace, but you know what I can do? I can hug my neighbor that I see crying out front and ask them if they're okay and if they need anything. I can walk down the street and give diapers to the woman I know doesn't have it, you know, support a support system. I can go to the homeless shelter down the street from my house and give what I what I can to the people who need it. Those small changes inside my community actually make a difference within the world I live in because I'm helping those around me. I clean my street every other week. And I have people say, thank you. But then when I'm out running, I see people cleaning their street and I see people cleaning their street. And it's like, all it takes is one person to show you that you can do it too. And it snowballs. So I'd rather be out here pushing the message of positivity instead of God, the world's imploding. Cause yes, the world is imploding and it's going to continue to implode. But Look for the positive and do what you can to be different and change. So uh, I'm grateful to be able to do that. I do want to mention that with the um, Spread the Warmth event, I partnered with Better Days Ahead. So Chris Brickhouse is somebody that I myself look up to and want to learn from and grow with. Better days ahead is definitely a nonprofit that is doing work that I hope be blessed will be able to eventually do. The way him and his team uh, do outreach and they go out to campsites and you know, go to different places where they directly affect people and hand you know hand out items. Uh, I wanted to partner with him not only to reach more people with the spread the warmth event, which I want to say that was his name he came up with it um but i partnered with better days ahead because i know how much work that they do in pennsylvania they reach areas that i don't reach i'm in lancaster in york and in baltimore and chris is in Pottstown, norristown philly and phoenixville so partnering with him was not only a learning opportunity for me but also an opportunity to expand the reach uh, for how many people we can help with the items that are donated. Uh, so I just wanted to make a mention that he is part of this he is working with me on it and better days ahead is definitely a nonprofit that anybody inside a hardcore should be looking into as well because they're doing the they're doing the groundwork. They're out there on the streets and handing out items and they're definitely a great nonprofit. like I said, I hope I hope my nonprofit
0: eventually gets to the point where you know where better days ahead is it's a it's an awesome thing also to combine forces right you know in lieu of trying to split up and Mm -hmm. this is a thing that i watched a lot was different different community um centers have the vie for city money state money federal money so it's cool to see in in lieu of like A popularity contest so to speak Oh yeah, Two people people from Hardcore jumping up And saying hey let's do this together Chris ran the PA Hardcore website for a long time And they changed it to Stereo Killer He's been Mm -hmm. a long time part of Pennsylvania Hardcore And went through an amazing transformation From his own demons To really exercise them in a positive way And give back to a lot of different Hurting communities So it's awesome that you are doing Business alongside him
1: yeah, no, I um just going through and looking at his website and everything they're doing, he is somebody that I look up to when it comes to community outreach because of how educated and how much he's doing inside of the nonprofit. So, it was kind of a no-brainer to me because I want why wouldn't I ask somebody I want to learn from to do something with me? And I'm not on any popularity bullshit. I'm not on any contest stuff. Like, I'm rooting for you. If we're in the same competition and you beat me, good for you. You deserved it. Like, there's no ego behind any of this. We all should be winning. And when it comes to charity work, we all should be winning. Whatever you're doing to help somebody else is only helping me help other people. It isn't, there isn't any competition or bullshit you're helping others or you're not i'm not worried about i'm not worried about your race your religion where you came from any of that if you want to help and you want to help other people come come join in
0: now hello i'm here all right
1: no i moved because my ass got tired so i had to adjust my (laughs) big foot
0: can you still hear me (laughs) yeah i can still hear you all right
1: right they're making noise yeah, I don't know what happened.
0: Hold on. I'm going to pause.
1: Did you break it? <clears throat> I, have to, I have a burp.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <gasps> yeah, I think the big message here is just seeing people like yourself use the basic tenets of hardcore and the DIY aspect. Like, you, you really Did things the same way that any of us did Whatever like how do I do it How do I how do I just get the ball Rolling you didn't start the corporation First you didn't you did it at a ground Level and then when it became time to Be more professional You got behind that and That was like a major Thing about me having you on the show because I think If we just said hey by the Way they're collecting things Right people like who who's collecting Why who the fuck's that and I wanted to make I really wanted to make sure that the people who are coming to the show or listening to this show know that you're out there. I mean, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting way to look at the world sometimes where mm-hmm. obviously there are people in hardcore who are female getting a little bit more upfront than ever before, but in the same time, I've always seen the women in hardcore as like the backbone of so much incredible shit That when I see these pieces written And they're like Well it's it's finally the women's time It's like they've always been there they just, right. They've just they always I- been there yeah. And they've always done things in our community And there's always been a stalwart strength for all of us So it's awesome to see you kind of Push in your own little corner And say hey I may not be fronting a band Or I might not be doing the traditional Look at me, I'm doing something and I'm a girl hardcore thing. You're doing something real for the community in the radio sense. You're doing something real in the community for trying to make a difference. And it's a very unique approach. And I, and I love that you are this uh, excited and dedicated to it.
1: I'm 100% uh I have to agree with you in that sentiment because I recently did an interview with a friend of mine she did a whole thesis paper um around women in music and women in hardcore and she told me that my opinion came off completely different than other people because it's like I've been in hardcore since I was 14 15 years old so I've seen things change over the years and I've seen women's development throughout the entire time but women were always at shows and always in hardcore we might not have been up front which maybe you didn't notice but women have always been there it's just at a point now where our voices are heard more i guess not necessarily that they weren't heard before it's just at the point where hey we're not going anywhere and we've always been there men have always been accepting now we're it's more of a i guess an even playing field for so long people and women said you could do this too girls in the front this and that and it's like all right so women are finally taking the initiative and saying okay yeah let's be in bands but women have always been in bands women have always been writing music it's just finally at a point where people are like oh yeah okay yeah you're right women have always been in music and have always been doing hardcore um i also feel like with women in music i hate to say this but it's like the 80s and the whole hair metal bullshit gave women a reputation in music that they didn't necessarily deserve and for a while women were seen in a way that they really weren't and it's finally women are at a point where oh no we are just your equals and we're doing we're going to continue to do what we love doing and we're here for the music and it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. If you're there for the music, you're going to be there for the music. And if you're not here for the music, you'll fade away, whether you have tits or a dick.
0: The hardest thing is is because the people who are writing and controlling the PR narratives, they are going to get picked up mm-hmm. and carried if they carry that line of thinking. Not your, what you did, but... If you read it if you written, wrote an article that said women have finally had a place in punk or metal or hardcore that's going to resonate with people who don't understand the 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 value of what women were from the beginning of this entire culture you know right. denise, denise mercedes who was a was harley flanagan's aunt she started the stimulators you know like there's so many different like truly historical females who are at the place. I actually had Nancy Burrell, who is a yeah. East Norriton, Pennsylvania OG, the Philadelphia Hardcore OG. She wrote she's written books. She, wrote
1: her, right, I was say, she just wrote her that what book? Uh
0: I'm not won- holding your coat. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna hold your coat. And that was she like three years ago, and that book is wonderful. We had her at the church and not at the where we do the shows, but the church the, the sanctuary upstairs. Yeah. And, I, and she reached out so we did it And she was telling me Oh I have a lot of people coming from Facebook And I was like I hope they should She had a line down the street and it took awesome. And it took an hour Of her signing books Before she could even get on There were that many people to still celebrate stuff That she had done almost 40 years ago So when the younger folks Or the people who are just looking to Fill their magazine with a story Create the narrative that women had this or that, it's a disrespect. Like the, the actually the actress who was in the silence of the lambs, who was in the hole, Brooke Smith was a photographer from the earliest stages of New York oh. hardcore. Holy and her, and her pictures are amazing document of the first generation in New York hardcore. There's so many different yeah. women throughout the years in every scene that have been involved at so many different mm-hmm. levels that when this stuff gets said it's it's disrespectful and our our mutual friend it Maddie Watkins she started saying like there like you know she's one of said female fronted isn't a genre and that's the whole thing so i love that you took i mean i know you've been up on stage grabbing the mic stage diving kicking people your whole life but i love to really make the biggest impact on hardcore you're doing it through the radio shows and and through these these just like honest good community driven uh, activities, right? Whether it's- I, th-
1: I also think that women are just at a point where um, <laughs> I don't need to name the fucking song because I have the T-shirt on. Um, it's things like that that discredit us. And you're right. Like I love what you just said. Female fronted is not a
0: genre. That was it, Maddie Watkins. She's she said it, people gave her shit for it, but it was and this is before she sang, is when she just played bass because they wanna put that. They want to put that. And, and and it's and it's easy for them. And then there's the people who run with it. And and it really does take away the amount of work and progress that the women like yourself went through to have an honest, like, you know, like as a as a front person. And being on stage, yeah, there's there's probably times when the girls knew all the words and they weren't getting the mic. But right. I know you, you're going to take the mic out of their hand. You know, like, I know, like, the women like you and Julia and, and Allison, you know, like, these are strong women that are able to do that. So it, it paints a different narrative than what we grew up on. You know, right. like, the people that I came up under, like Monique Manns and, and Cindy, and a lot of the older the older than me women who were a part of the whole Bad Luck 13 and Tri-State Crew group, They're I, to this day, they're my big sisters. You know, like, right. they helped raise me. So when someone says, no, 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 we're here because of them. You know, like, they helped bring us all up. And it's awesome that you're showing people what else can be done because you don't just need to be in a band. You don't just need to put on shows. There's so many ways to be active in this community and really make a difference.
1: I'm always on this like um, fence where I feel like hardcore is underground and it should stay underground. But then it's like, no, it's not. It's out there already in the open. People are already seeing it. And why not bring more people, why not bring more people better music? And so I feel like I'm always on this fence of being, you know, pushing hardcore out there and out there. And then at the end of the day, why? Why? What fence am I resting on? There's no reason because people are either going to love it or they're going to hate it. There's nothing I can do about them loving or hating it. All I can do is share. So, me trying to share what I love is why, why I have high voltage. Why I continue to talk about hardcore on ninety-eight rock and push, you know, push to have this type of music on the radio. Because why not?
0: Well, the the, the argument is a kind of like a you know um chicken in the egg you know if and Norm Brandon who did AT matter and was Texas is the reason you know he he said it best he's like the first punk record i heard was on Sire Records and it was the Ramones so mm-hmm. by the time punk was getting out there it was already in what could be considered the popular mainstream of things right. Right. And that's and that's before hardcore even had a term. When in New York they were calling it loud, fast. It wasn't even called hardcore yet. Mm-hmm. And in every decade of hardcore, be it the people that signed to the metal labels and try to go bigger, or in the '90s when the people like, if you ever the there's a really great book. It's an autobiography by Thurston, Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth. He spends the entire thing mostly talking about. The first generation of hardcore bands and the people from Black Flag. Do uh, you know Greg, the
1: of it? Uh,
0: I know it because I have it. I li- I just I just listen to it, but I'm um, I, I gonna have to pull it up. But Thurston Moore and Sonic Youth were found by Greg Jinn and Black Flag. Mud mm-hmm. Honey, all this stuff that eventually would be the biggest alternative music in the '90s was once underground. Right. Everything comes in cycles, so. We really don't have a choice that people beyond the scope of who comes to your local hardcore show are going to know about it. The only difference, in my opinion, is whether they show up for the band that's big or one day do they show up with their own band to play the stage and be a part of everything we do, because there's always going to be a bigger band that's going to draw a crowd that may not be regulars but it's when the person who finds like I didn't find hardcore by listening to the cr- fucking Cramax right you know like I was came from metal and eventually delineated to that but, i was you
1: know, like listening to like blink 182 and less than jake before before i ever made it to this is hardcore i was going to the hf festival and listening to 98 rock the station i'm on now growing up in baltimore i listened to the alternative radio corn slipknot shit like that that's where you know those tiny little niches inside mainstream music are you know what facilitated finding and loving hardcore because without blink 182 and without those bands i would have never made made the jump into hardcore
0: yeah so it's it's an interesting you can't really argue for it In a sense of being like, we need to not have these people around Because Mm -hmm. they naturally are either going to not react Well to the things that are really deep into the community And they may only become like surface level fans of certain bands But we should be also welcoming When someone's brand new And especially post-COVID You really see a different kind of kid Because kids are different than they were in the 80s and 90s, etc We see a new kid finding hardcore and it's our place who the people who do these shows and have been in bands for a long time to at least give people the way that they can immerse themselves in culture. The only thing I'm not great with is when someone new from any situation comes in and tries to delegate and go well this isn't this isn't right it's like no 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 no, no. you don't have top opportunity but it's such a rare occasion that that happens that it shouldn't even be involved in a conversation and then I agree with you. I think that I think the lesson that Hardcore has to learn is that when your band reaches a certain level, you have to decide that you really are not able to be as DIY as Minor Threat. You're not. It's, not, it's just not plausible. It's not possible. And in lieu of trying to weave a lie in a, in, a, in an image, just be like, hey, listen, this is the nature of the game. And I find that some people in hardcore who have different platforms and different abilities to go much further than the hardcore scene, they're afraid of the contention that comes from people who just say dumb shit. And it's like, Look, man, I had I had dealt with a lot when we moved this as hardcore to a bigger room. I dealt mm-hmm. with I put suicidal tendencies on, as you highlighted with saves a day when we did saves a day. People always come at you, but if your if your convictions are real and your roots are planted and your feet are planted, that this is what I'm gonna do. That's mm-hmm. what really matters. But I find with Twitter and Instagram culture a lot the bands want both. They want to project, we're still as DIY as it come, but it's like, well. You can't with a management and a real label. You got to just say, hey, listen, we're going to stay as real to the culture as we can. But that's but- actually natural progression.
1: Absolutely. Like if I'm going to start a band and I'm starting this because I want to write this kind of music, I want to play this kind of music, and I want to spread this kind of message, and I I crawl, walk, and then run, it's natural progression. So my band becomes good. I keep playing the music I like. I keep writing things that you know, inspire me. If people like that that's wonderful there are people who start bands just as a natural outlet for creativity and for art and then there's other people that say hey i want to make music my career so Why be mad that someone becomes successful in a career path that they have chosen because they put hard work into it? It's just the natural progression of it. And we're seeing bands now that put the time in and they go on tour constantly and they write new music and they develop their band and their style. And they're getting the recognition because they've been working hard at it. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and when people say shit like oh well hardcore should stay out of this and that and blah 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 gatekeep hardcore yeah gatekeep it in certain aspects but there's no reason to be shitting on bands that do well in their genre because people like them isn't that the whole point
0: what come what comes of it obviously rabies had the great quote you know to keep Big business at a hardcore And at the time it made the most perfect sense But what people missed on the quote is It was already in And that was the beginning of it And so he had spoke He actually was speaking out saying Hey we don't need to Because there were bands who were getting big But they weren't getting The same treatment as a bigger band who had representation Record labels that were Coming in and a shift In the band specifically Who were CBG, CBGB's matinee people And even in the smaller clubs before that They started metallicizing their Sound and trying to get Bigger so that was right. him saying At that time hey listen this Is what it is and to this day yeah There's tons of hardcore bands that'll Stick to that and I agree with you entirely A band's gonna ch- change with the size of the rooms that they can play And they're mm-hmm. going to change With the ideas that they have For what they want to do musically And it's up to the fan Because they're the one who buys the t-shirt They're the one who buys the record And they're the one who buys the ticket Individually, each person decides If they're still going to be happy with it or not Right. So the gatekeeping part Is impossible with the internet And the oh, TikTok stuff
1: One percent.
0: The the, the the TikTok stuff You can only regulate it at a local level But I mean, I, I agree entirely With you, I, I personally When a band starts sounding too much Like something that isn't hardcore I am a huge Classic rock fan mm-hmm. I grew up on it like you, I listen to a lot of heavy metal I listen to a lot of other stuff So when a band stops sounding like the hardcore Band that they were I don't listen to them because I don't want to listen to something like, like, I'm being what? honest, like it but moved I do out of the genre
1: that it once was. So yeah, I just
0: go, all right, that's something cool. And honestly, it's it's not like a fuck you to them. It's like, well, now you're writing music that I can listen to in the '70s that was better. Right. That's in my that's my fucked up opinion on it.
1: I also feel like, in the sense of um musical progression, when it comes to, I think that people look at. Oh, I think that people look at hardcore being in the mainstream media outlets as selling out when it's not. Selling out is when someone comes to you and says, I like what you're doing, but do it this way. Change the way you look. Change the way you act. Change this, 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 and this, and this. That's And then you do it. That's selling out. But if someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to give you money for doing what you're doing, why would you say no? If you're staying true to what you know, the music you want to make and you're staying true to who you are and people are giving you money to make that music. What difference does it make? But like you just said, if you start to evolve past something that your listeners want to listen to, that's also natural progression. You progressed out of what they like.
0: No, I couldn't agree more. When When you started the idea, you probably never thought that you would do The legitimate role of a real not-for-profit or non-profit is it not for profit or not for profit
1: it's non-profit but no i didn't when i started um when i started collecting items i in no way shape or form ever thought that it would be bigger than just me collect you know collecting and doing what i could um my girlfriend in massachusetts kind of really spearheaded it after i had moved they wanted to continue on doing that work because I continued to doing it when I moved. They wanted to continue doing it in Massachusetts, so girl gang care packages became a thing. It's no longer, you know, we absolved it because of different reasons, but that whole non that becoming a whole nonprofit was basically what I had started they didn't want it to end and want it to also continue it. So it just snowed bald into a bigger thing. And then once I started down here, I realized there's a lot more to this that could, you know, potentially happen. And the only way to have that potentially happen is to become a nonprofit. Um, the internet is kind of set up against you in a sense, because, if you're sending people money on Cash App or you're sending people Venmos or this or that, if it's to an individual, you know, I hate to say it but there are people out there that scam people, you know, and it's sad but it's the truth. So on my end, if I wanted to do more, I had to prove that I was serious in a sense and make it into a nonprofit because I don't want people to think that it's, you know, not necessarily legit, but at the same time The more legit I make this into a nonprofit, the more good I can do with it. So it snowballed into becoming a nonprofit because I want it to be able to help more people. Um, And the doors just opened in a way that, okay, things are happening and I need to make
0: this real. When it got real, how did you feel?
1: (sighs) Overwhelmed. (laughs) So when it got real, I realized how I realized how many, how many people were affected. I don't want to cry um, by homelessness and how many people were affected by uh just the world we live in in a way where we aren't really given tools necessary to better ourselves. And a lot of people fall on hard times and one little thing can change your life to the point where you are on the street or you're living in your car and showering at the gym and things like that. So I really, my eyes were kind of opened to how much need there was. And I felt overwhelmed in a sense because it's like, how can I do anything to help? How can I, you know, do as much as I can to help others without you know, feeling necessarily drained of my own self. And like I said earlier, it took realizing that just changing my community was what I needed to do. Not having this like global mindset that I could change the entire world. Yes, if I could, I would. But once I, once the initial like overwhelmness, subsided and I was able to collect my thoughts and see where I can place, where my help would be best. It, I've just been working towards those steps in a way where, you know, okay, we'll get this done and then I'll be able to do that. And then we'll be able to help in this way and then be able to help it that way. So it turning into a complete nonprofit really just made it simpler for me because now I can say, okay, we are a 501c this is where you can you know donate this is what you can do and i actually am um having chris build a little website for us as well so that that's just one more step in making the nonprofit um, more real because you have facebook you have instagram but if you don't have a website that has your mission and all that people that's what people want to see where your money's going what it's used for so i'm really big on instagram um as far as reaching out to people anytime i'm looking for donations that's where i go i immediately am on instagram asking people for donations and then that way i can update people this is how much money was raised this is how much money was spent these are the items we got this is the places they went and uh with the nonprofit, it's like you can go back and, if you want to look and see where all, everything went, now you can. Where it used to just—I love like, that. Me just being like, "This is what I did." Now you can actually be like, "All right, here's where it's all going."
0: Well, it adds a level of accountability, and right. obviously, not everybody's doing great in this current economic situation. No, I so, know. So, in lieu of saying, like, "Well, how do like instead of the criticism or the skepticism." you're putting it all out there. And um, I could tell you just from working with different people in the, again, with the, with the different charities, when you see some of the overhead that some of the biggest charities have, or the mm-hmm. way that there's an entire career field in nonprofit. And it's like, well, if it's not profit, but you, there's hundreds of people working, mm-hmm. it doesn't really sound like the money's going to go to somewhere where the people who are donating it is. And I have found that, more often than not, you're better off going at a really low local level than yep. at the bigger national level, just for how much that field has just taken on the bureaucratic waste of the money and the donations.
1: Well, I agree completely because you will see, and I'm not, I don't want to name any anything like that because there are organizations where it's like okay your ceo makes <laughs> over half a million dollars a year and i get it it's a lot there's a lot of you know organization to it there is a lot that goes into running a nonprofit but when you have when you have these nonprofits that are making millions of dollars but fractions of what they're making go to people it's disheartening for people to want to donate and something i'm really uh big on is making sure that people see every single penny because this is something i'm big on when i'm donating i want to see where the money goes how much is broken down and what you know if i give you a dollar what do you do with it does 5% go to the people in need and 95 go to running your operation or does 95% go to the people in need and five go 5% goes to running your operation so I feel like All of All the incumbents of this becoming a non-profit was so that people understood that i'm not you know I'm, not bullshitting. I want this to be a real thing I want to help as many people as possible and I want you to know that What you're giving goes directly to helping those people um Everything right now is at I feel a uh, beginning stage. I'm in my crawl phase. Um, I'm hoping to uh, get to the walk phase with uh, 2024 and the things I want to do within. Be blessed and eventually be at the run phase where we are a full time nonprofit helping as many people and working with as many other organizations inside of you know Pennsylvania and Maryland to grow and grow our community base, and basically just help other people. At the end of the day, for me, the biggest thing is people feeling loved and feeling accepted and appreciated because making somebody feel seen can change their entire world. And if giving them something and showing them, look, I don't know you, but I care about your human existence. This is just something small I did to show you that I love you and I care for you and that you're, you should be cared for then i want to be able to do that i want all i care about is making people feel loved at the end of the day that's what my entire mission is is to bless others with love
0: well if that's your goal i think that you are absolutely on the right track i also think that it's important that people know they can reach out to you and ask for advice because maybe someone listening thinking like how do i do that in my own area Or I'm sure you'll get some people say, hey, if you need help with the event, I can help out. Right, Lila, Lila, your entire story is awesome because it's like a full circle of the great elements of hardcore punk, the lessons learned, the DIY aspects to all this stuff. And then now, again, infusing it into our holiday jam is awesome. And hopefully this works out well. Maybe we talk about pulling you into This Is Hardcore and... I would absolutely love that. Yeah, I think uh, I think that there's a lot that you could do in the community, and I think through this community we we can raise your profile and help you get to where you want to go with this. Because everything you said touches to the heart of what charity is supposed to be. It's supposed to be charity. But it's supposed to be mm-hmm. the opportunity to give to people who need. And I and I I truly have friends who work in the not for profit nonprofit industry. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't care less in that regard, and it kind of makes you bitter almost like they lost the point of it, yeah. Like, and it's a sad thing because whenever something comes out, you know, like whenever something comes out, what's the first thing that happens? It's the GoFundMe's, it's the you can donate, but it's the big names that pull away so many assets and resources that go directly, and so you know, it's a funny thing. Before we talked, I, I actually had a screenshot. I pulled up the screenshot. Charity, the first definition now, is an organization set up to provide help. But really? really, it's like, but really, the volunteer, the voluntary giving of help, typically in the form of money to those who need the really? care of the poor must not be left. La- a private charity that was the definition mm-hmm. and it blew my mind when I looked it up because I like like thinking about words and I'm like how the fuck did we get to the point where an organization is the first thing that thinks about when the word charity comes into it
1: right then it should be last on the list in reality because it's like you have <laughs> it, it's like I hate to put it in this sense it's like church you have people who start them just so that they can be tax exempt. It's not to help anybody. It's just for their own gain. And uh there are organizations that do that. And it's sad to see because you're losing sight of the real mission. And I don't I don't want to talk badly about any, anything. I'd rather stay to the positives. But it really is. It's like The smallest thing you can do to help someone else can change the way they perceive not only their life, but the lives of others around them. And, you know, that small little gesture of charity can go a very long way. So why not? I I look at life as why not? If you want to do something, why not go do it? There's nothing stopping you from doing what you want to do So just why not go do it? So if you want to help other people, what's stopping you? And that's something I had to stop, you know, and examine in my own self. I want to help other people. So why am I not doing it? Start doing
0: it. And I just did. Yeah, I definitely think the hardcore thing allows us to have a different scope on organized religions and and churches. Mm -hmm. And I think at times every church has gotten away from Some of the original meanings or interpretations of what we were taught Mm -hmm. But it really is important It really is important to understand that You don't need an organization if there's good people like you And if you have a heart to do something Like what you just said about where you came from And where you're addressing this and how you're addressing this Is almost Ten times cooler than if you just started a band And said this shit on stage because A lot of times in hardcore people get on stage and I remember in the 90s as a kid hearing all these things and it's it's word fame. You should Mm -hmm. do this. You should. I remember the Krishnas. I remember the vegans. I remember the people saying you shouldn't do this. And really it was word fame. And within a couple of years, those people walked away from those ideas. But there were foods not bombed uh, and there Mm -hmm. were these different DIY things that we're trying to make a difference. And that stuck with me. And um I just love that this is where you've come to in your life. I'm happy you came on the show. And just I'm- say say all your different links here because that's how uh people will check you out. And I'm also gonna have everything linked into the the show notes so you can see and listen to Lila on her radio shows and support her in her rise to Take 98 Rock in Baltimore to be a vessel towards the hardcore scene.
1: I uh so All of the high voltage is high voltage radio and E so high voltage radio Northeast. There's, I have Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Instagram is the biggest one. I post there the most for Facebook and Instagram. I'm learning TikTok. I know it sounds insane, but in 2024, I uh, am getting a little bit of what you call money. Uh, to be able to work on it, so I'm going to be developing more things, and it's going to be growing. But everything there is uh, high voltage radio and E, and then everything for the nonprofit is be blessed seven one seven. Uh, I also want to shout out for obviously I did earlier, but better days ahead. That's a nonprofit you should be checking BDA out. BDA
0: outreach on Instagram.
1: Yep, BDA, and then there's Savage Sisters. They're in Philly. Um, I'll send you a link for them too because they're doing a lot of great work in Philadelphia, um, helping people on the street. They do a lot of work in Kensington. So there's those are just two nonprofits that I wanted to make a mention to because I feel their their ball is rolling. And if people want to help, they can volunteer with them. They can donate there as well. Um, if people want to donate and volunteer. With me in Lancaster and York, they are. But we're be blessed 717 uh, on all social medias. And then I'm on 98 Rock, which I don't think needs any advertisement. They are who they are. But I'm on 98 Rock on the weekends as well. So you can follow all of those fun things. And I mean, I'm to put this out into the universe so Akil can hear it. Akil uh, Goodsey from End It and I are going to be starting a podcast in 2024. So pay
0: attention for that one. I'm going to say what I said on Twitter to him. He ain't shit. I'm glad that you guys are doing something together. And uh, when he's, uh, hopefully he does have some time between all the a million ended shows that he's playing all over the universe.
1: They're all over the place. I love them. Uh, I love him to death. And I'm very excited to uh, work with him. I just think him and I crack up. I think it would be funny. I watch these podcasts. I listen to these different podcasts. And there's so many podcasts out there that you realize These people ain't talking about shit. They're just goofing off together. And I'm like, all right, well, let me get my friend and goof off and see if it goes somewhere. But with High Voltage, I'm very excited because we got some promotional monies. And uh, I'll be able to focus more on the things I want uh, in developing. You know, Hopefully, people, bands, listen to this podcast and they reach out to me. Because I would absolutely love to be doing full features about bands. That are up and coming Um, So You know if you are in a band And you want to be featured on High Voltage Reach out to me
0: See that All these different bands just want to get out there And so many different bands have lost Here's your chance Um, You'll be able to reach out to her in the links On the show notes Lila thank you for everything you do Everything you supported I love to see you basking in this light Of positivity And it has, you really turned a new leaf in your world. And I hope that you continue on the good path. And I look forward to seeing you multiple times in the next few months.
1: I love you, Joe. Uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I know uh, it's a little blessing and I appreciate it. So thank you so much. Uh, Check out all of our shit. That's all I can say. Thank you, Joe. I will definitely see you. Oh, before we go. Bring shit to the fucking holiday gym. We're collecting so much stuff, everything we're collecting is up on the internet. But we're looking for warm items blankets, tents, tarps, uh, hats, gloves, scarves, cl- warm clothing just anything you think you have extra of. Bring, you can buy new stuff, but please just bring an item. It goes a long way and it makes much more of a difference than people realize. But thank you, Joe. Love we you. We are guys. gonna
0: we are going to do a better job of promoting this end as we're getting sooner. I oh, knew, yeah. I knew if we did it earlier on, people would be forgetting, but with it, with us yeah. being about four weeks away, it's time to really kick up the, so, uh, the propaganda. Yeah. So I wanted to have you on the show and I think everything you do is from the heart. And that is an amazing story. Another amazing hardcore person doing things at so many different levels. And I love you, Lila. And I just thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation I just had with Lila. Absolutely, completely. One of these stories we hear this time of year is that there's people that are out there that are doing more than thinking about the gifts they didn't have and the people that didn't talk to them or all the drama. Just out there doing things so someone they don't know may have a little bit of an easier time with how hard life has been for them. Completely DIY. Completely unprovoked and absolutely amazing, and we're very happy that she's going to be a part of Keystone Hardcore Jam. Um, all these links will be on the episode. Thank you once again to everybody who listened. Hit me up. I like doing the solo Johns, and we're going to start recording. some work's going to a little bit easier. I'm not getting my ass kicked every day, despite having to look at ugly ass Clemo. I'll get over it. You know, we survive. Worked all these months, with pretty Zach. I got ugly. Zach. I got ugly Clemo. So. Anyway, show, co- show notes are a TIHC podcast, and see you next week.